everyone. This is Red, White, and Brown by Daisies.Live. I'm Scott. I'm Rob. And I'm Shreya. Aap sun rahe hain Red, White, and Brown. Daisies.Live se radio zindagi par. Aur main hoon, Mirao. I'm Scott. And I'm Shreya. Well, we're here to review, Scott. Uh, yes, Bollywood TV and movies, and uh, I'm back. It's good to be back after a couple of weeks. Thank you, everyone, for for the well wishes and the kind words. Um, let's jump right in. Moral, what are we going to be discussing today? We have um, two stand-ups and a movie to review. Mm. We're going to start with Aziz Ansari, a nightclub comedian, which is streaming on Netflix. And then we're going to review Kapil Sharma, Not Done Yet, which is also streaming on Netflix. And then we will review this indie movie that dropped with Definition Please. It's from Are Now by director Agam Darshi. It's called Donkey Head and it is also streaming on Netflix. Donkey Head. That is a great title. All right. So um, let's start with what uh, nightclub comedian. Is that what we're going to start with? Absolutely. Go. Okay. Who now did I watched it? I, I get the impression we all saw it. We all we saw it. Today. Okay. And so the, I'll just give the premise because it's really simple. Uh, it's Aziz Ansari at the uh, Comedy Cellar in New York. And he did a quick 30-minute set and uh, somehow became a Netflix, a Netflix special. And that was cool. So, uh, ladies, what did you think? What uh, Did you laugh? Was it, I mean, was it a triumphant comeback? What did you think? Oh, so, okay, here's the hard part for me. Mm -hmm. I think that I expected more specifically because this is exactly where Aziz got his start. Like he mm -hmm. started comedy in the mm -hmm. cellar and then, you know, he became a big international sensation and then he comes back and I was expecting the jokes to hit home. But then I think I laughed like three times, like mm -hmm. actually laughed three times. Like I'm not talking about a, you know, I'm talking about like, ha, ha, ha. like even the weak laugh that was really just three times. I don't know why or what about it. I think it was funny, but it wasn't enough for me to fall out of my chair, like take time out of my day and be like, today I need 30 minutes to watch the special. I was kind of browsing <laughs> on Netflix. I was like, you know what? Looks fun. Hmm. Yeah. Meral, what, what did you think? Well, I think it was his second time in public after those um, the sexual misconduct allegations against him. Oh, that's him, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think the last time he did um, a stand-up in front of people, it was like 2019 in a tour and a Netflix special again. It was called Right Now. And he uh, did address the allegations then. Um, over here, it was a surprise. Um, um, That's right. Set. Nobody yeah, he just, knew he was he just showed up. Yeah. He just showed mm -hmm. up and uh, he got his 30 minutes in front of uh, the audience. Um, I thought... I thought there were a lot of things that he looked at differently. I think all of us do as people um, in a post-pandemic or, you know, middle of pandemic world. He um, he let us know that he's moved to London. He doesn't live in New York anymore. That was the big reveal. And then the second big reveal was how he's disconnected from, uh, from people and how he's disconnected from the world and internet by using a flip phone. That was great. So, yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, team I flip phone. That, I know, I know a few people who have done that. Yeah, they I think, swear I think by there it. are a lot of there are a lot of um, the new generation doesn't want to be connected all the time because you know the the outcome of being over connected is stress and it's it's a lot of mm. you know a lot of people get trolled and hatred on the internet and I guess Aziz has had his chunk of 
trolling and hatred and allegations and being in the public eye. So he retreated. Um, it's funny that, I mean, the entire Netflix special was book ended by his college comedy uh, days, right? Mm -hmm. I, I thought those, those, um, those clips were pretty uh, precious. But, but I, think, I think he hit home with a lot of statements. They might not have been funny, but they were revealing and they were very well said. Uh, like, for example, he says, um, uh, he, he, he said that, um, you know, I'm just saying this current strategy of just shaming people isn't going to work. I thought that was, that, was, that was a really good statement to make. Um, I had a problem with that, though, because mm -hmm. you know what? People don't did, have shame anymore. People don't have shame anymore. And what are we supposed to do by shaming someone, even if it does, if it's quote unquote, not going to work, we need to establish where those lines are of what kind of behavior is acceptable and unacceptable. Doesn't matter if on, on one hand, it sort of doesn't matter if a idiot guy uh, is not going to hear the message. The rest of us will hear the message. The rest of us who will, exp who can experience shame will go, yep, yeah, that's, that's a limit. That's where we should draw the line at that kind of behavior. So I don't, I don't think I completely agreed with him. Yeah, I but, but who, who, are, who are we to judge somebody online based on one person's, you know? Oh, we're, I, no, we're I all... think like, no, 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 but I definitely get where Scott's going. So I think, I think the type of thing that Aziz was trying to talk about is a little bit of cancel culture, but he didn't say that correctly. Yes. I think he's just trying he, to say he, like, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to say the word cancel culture, culture yeah, because yeah, then yeah. it would have become right. a big... Yeah. Again, like I get what he was trying so, to say. So where he I, was thought, like, I thought he, he said it really well because he didn't use the buzzword. So he did not get trolled for it. But mm. I thought that was a good thing that he said. Um, I don't you know. know but that, then I feel like it didn't exactly like Scott took it. I was like, oh, people can take that wrong. Because I think, for example, if you go on the internet and you say one statement that you're like, wow, that's racist, that's homophobic, that's like literally sexist, it's the worst thing ever. Shame people for that statement. Now, then you have to take into broader context, like before you cancel that person, what was the reason behind like why they said it? Like what happened if someone was like, man, there was like shooting in a in a grocery store and like something, something happened. My family <clears throat> member got hurt. This is all because of white supremacy. I cannot just. And then all of a sudden we're racist in that sense. Then you're like, OK, he's racist, but there's like a reason behind it. Like he's he just lost a family member in a shooting because, you know, he happens to be of a certain race and a certain race was targeted like yada, yada, yada. Uh I'll give you, I get it. I'll but give you another example. Like people just, that say things and you're like, you're week. racist, like damn, canceled. So it's like, you got to think about with what essence someone is coming towards. And, and, and not, not only that, it's like, you know, a lot of people are getting judged and condemned and, and literally canceled because of one person's idea of what the person did. Because because of the herd mentality on the internet, that doesn't go beyond what they see in the first sentence. Even if the person, you know, the, the thing about uh, in, internet is, if somebody makes a statement, nobody reads the replies. Nobody reads uh, the reality behind that that entire statement. I'll tell you something else that happened last week that that's completely, uh, you know, that, that that completely explains why this entire cancel culture needs to stop. There's a lady called Shweta Tiwari. She's an actress. Um, and she, she's a veteran actress. She's worked in uh, television and on web and movies for a very long time. And she was in a city called Bhopal and she was um, promoting a web show uh, with a couple of more other people. And one of the people she was promoting it with is a guy called Saurabh Jain. 
and Absorib had played Krishna in Mahabharat. And now in this new web series that is that they, were, they were promoting, Saurabh is playing a bra fitter who helps women fit bras. So jokingly, uh, the anchor asks them, the, the host asks them, so how do you feel about, you know, the role that you have? And she says, well, you know, it's a great feeling because now God himself is fitting my bra. And she meant it in that context. Now they take that clip and they make it viral that she said God fits her bra. Now, between you and I, what is wrong with if, if you say that God, God, God loves my chest for a man, <laughs> there, there is no shame in it. But for, for, for a reason, a woman's anatomy is, is shameful. I have no idea why. Oh, it is but, not. But, but, but women's anatomy, for God, God to have anything to do with women's anatomy is shameful. And it's become a very big um, controversy. She was canceled a hundred times over. And not only was she canceled, but she also has a case against her filed for hurting religious sentiment. Who's? Okay, may I? All right, that is entirely valid what you just said, but I would like to bring it back to nightclub comedian. And I would like to bring up my point. And my point is, I agree with Shreya. It wasn't that funny. Listen to our review. We haven't laughed talking about a 30-minute comedy special at a famous comedy club in New York. We're talking about cancel culture and shaming. By the way, you made an excellent point, Shreya, about how like there's a stage, right? First you shame, then you cancel. I hadn't thought of it that way. But we're talking about a comedy show. And that was my that was my reaction to, to this thing, is that what he said was interesting. He's extremely observant. He's And he's funny, but it wasn't laugh out loud, bust my... It wasn't Sam Kinison funny. Ooh. Right? That's exactly the thing. I thought I was like, if you were, say you were sitting on a train ride next to someone or like a subway ride and you guys are just talking about something and the person's like, hey, I saw that dude up there. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, like, exactly. Ha ha ha. That's funny. Yeah, right. But like exactly. it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I paid a ticket to go to this comedy show. <laughs> I was out of my seat. Yeah. If no. I was in New York that day, I would have paid for that ticket. Yeah, right. It was nowhere close to that. Not even close. And you know what? I don't even think that that's, I mean, it's a problem in the sense that Netflix advertises it as stand-up comedy. It just wasn't like wasn't what funny. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the show. I just didn't laugh. I mean, and as a now, Aziz, as a comedian, I'm sure he's going to think, well, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, I, I enjoyed listening to what he had to say. So I don't know. I, there's a part of me that thinks he's a funny guy. He's a cool guy. He's a smart and observant guy. He's just not bust a gut funny right now. And maybe he's I never going to be. You know, I feel like he took a step back. Like there were definitely points in his career where I would I would listen to something he said and I was like, oh my gosh, like something like my sides are going to hurt from how yeah. much I'm laughing. And I think at some point he's like, you know what? I've kind of made jokes about everything. Now I yeah. just, I don't maybe. have any yeah. left. Yeah, I, th I think you're- Or, or I, maybe, maybe he was just ranting. You know, he's still kind of recovering from that, all that public mm -hmm. shaming and- That's fair, but he did go yeah. to the comedy cellar comedy in cellar. New York. It's not like he went to the ha-ha hole on Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> and open mic night with seven people. He went to the comedy cellar. So I, you know, I mean, I think, I, I think we've pretty much nailed it. It's, but was it funny? Not really. Like if someone wants to laugh and have a good time and, and watch a, a Daisy guy make some really funny, watch something else. If you want, if you want some incisive critiques on internet culture and you want to chuckle a few times, 
sure this is a 30 minutes well spent is that a, is that a fair summary i would say so i think it's yeah. a, again I would, it's I would not agree i would agree but i i would also i would also like to tell the audience that he did make some valid points sure oh yeah i just again just didn't really laugh that hard i agree what would be rated out of 10 everyone all right so out of 10 as a comedy show i give it a four as something as a cultural critique and as something interesting that makes you go like, uh-huh, yeah, he's right. I'd give it an eight. Yeah. So, I mean, it Agreed. depends on what you bring to yeah. it, right? Agreed. Agreed. Very fair. Very cool. Very cool thing. Hi, I'm Sujata Day, and I'm the writer, actor, producer, director of Definition Please, and you're listening to me on Live. And we are back. You are listening to Red, White, and Brown by Live. All right. So we just got done giving a strange mixed review to Aziz Ansari's nightclub comedian. Um, that's on Netflix. Check it out. Sort of. Uh, understand okay. what you're getting into. Yeah. It's uh, all right. And what are we going to turn to next? Because I, I think we we have another we have another comedian. Now, was this was this an actual like big production in a theater comedy show or was this another like nightclub small intimate thing what no, was it's who, the who weekend was of comedy shows yeah this who was one this? was this one was in a really nice big theater uh -huh. and the audience was filled with people who were 100 expecting the comedian so <laughs> they, wanted, they, they actually were gonna laugh who it right. is so it's Kapil sharma and his show is well i'm not done yet so Kapil Sharma is a big TV comedian. He runs a show on television, which is really funny. It is like a, you know, it's like the SNL of Indian TV where people come and they do their little gigs and people come to, and the actors come to promote their movies and he roasts them. And he has a, he has a really special section where he actually goes over the Twitter comments. It is so funny. It's really funny because he only picks up comments by fans that are really funny so they all have a laugh so he's he's kind of pretty well known he's been on television for a long time and a record a force to reckon with in terms of comedy um when i started watching it number one it seemed like it was an appreciation show and not a stand-up because they didn't have a standard format it was like round tables with people mm -hmm. seated it was like a you know a a corporate dinner Wait, round tables so he's on this he's on this podium stage. and he's yeah, got a little bit of a band a mm -hmm. yeah he's got a little bit of band like a gigantic <laughs> like like the roots i'm not like, joking a literal yes, band yes. like to be yeah. like buttons okay. every now and then <laughs> Okay. And then he has this gigantic projector behind him showing tweets or pictures or whatever. And everybody is sitting, it's banquet. It's literally a banquet. Everybody's sitting at these round tables. Like his family's invited. He invited his distant friends, his distant cousins or whatever. His wife was in the, his wife was His wife and his mother. Yeah, yeah and his okay. mother. And, and then like okay. some other people. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah, and and the funny part was that it wasn't set up like a stand-up play. It was like an appreciation speech you know an hour-long appreciation speech of you know his journey from a village in Punjab in Amritsar to uh, to you know uh, to where he is today where he can literally walk into Shah Rukh Khan's home and party with him literal in the literal sense oh yeah. I, okay that's that part's cool it sounds so wait a minute it, it so we did have we watched it, two comedy shows that weren't 
in some respects Funny. weren't really comedy weren't mm -hmm. really comedy shows right the second and one sounds like a Netflix. big production sounds like both a production right with they the are. music I... and the screen and the round tables and the family what is mm -hmm. that's okay all right i thought it was okay there were some jokes in there i will say i laughed just like the tiniest bit more than i did at the aziz and sorry one i will i will give him that much credit there were some moments where i was like ha ha like you know a little more but i you think like the Ralph whole point the of this show was a little bit in dedication of his father who had passed away from cancer so i think he was kind of with that sense in mind the story wasn't meant to be as funny because he was saying he's like i'm trying to tell you the story because i think it's time like i honor my dad because he never saw me become the comedian and i just and he goes i recently just found out he used to be in the arts like when he was younger um and the re he just never told me so i'm basically living the dreams that he never got to live so i want to go ahead and dedicate the show to him and i, I thought that was super sweet but again sure stand-up comedy i don't know how it fits into that theme at all mm, so, right. so if you ever watch couple sharma show on sony tv um it is a funny show it is it has its own audience because he he does have some really good jokes on the show not only jokes but he's funny he's a funny man he can he can literally say a one-liner and bring the whole house down he's really good at that but over here it wasn't he was, I don't think he was supposed to be funny because of the format, because of the way people were seated. It was a stand-up show. It wasn't very funny. It was it was amazing on storytelling. His stories, I swear, you could listen to those okay. stories, just like you said with Aziz Ansari. You could listen. He he made sense. He said the right things. Similarly, this guy said the right things. He had the right um he had the right life's lessons to pass on with the story of him coming to Mumbai and then making a name for himself and how his show flopped in the first season. And then he was in Amsterdam and he was in a bus or something and he's sitting with a Dutch girl. And she just told, he, he, she just she just asked him, who are you and what do you do? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm a comedian and my name is Kapil Sharma. So she texted someone in Bombay and she said, I have a friend in Bombay. I'm going to ask her if she knows you. So the friend in Bombay texts back it sounds like the and beginning says, of a Bollywood movie. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know Kapil Sharma. He's a he's a comedian, but you know he flopped, so that hit him really hard. He came back to Mumbai and he restarted doing what he was doing, just because he 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 didn't want that flopped thing around his name, and and that kind of became a life lesson to him, and that he should not he should just work on himself a bit more. So, so I think I think it was it was it was highly funny. It was it was um, it, Wait, it wasn't, was it though? It wasn't was it? highly funny, but the storytelling was really good. Okay. So this one was a little better than the Aziz Ansari one, I think, because I again comedy show wise, like I'm not entirely sure why Netflix advertises things as comedy if I'm not gonna be like falling out of my seat like throwing my dog across the bed like crushing my mom like you know i need to be like cackling uh -huh. cackling and I, I i want that because i that's what i expect in comedy i want i want to have like such a good time that i'm like wow i really want to come back i want to or they at least go for that right it exactly. may not work it may not hit but they're trying to get you to laugh and right. laugh hard and I have noticed in the past that the way Netflix kind of makes their comedy specials, like I watched the um, Hannah, oof, there's like a some, some Hannah comedian named Hannah who Hannah did Gatsby. like a, I'm sorry? Hannah Gatsby. Yes. And she does yes. the 
comedy special which starts off super funny and then it goes off into the world's most serious commentary about like sexual assault and lgbtq community and i was like i get it i 1000 percent get it i'm like netflix wants to bring those stories that are really hard hitting but i'm like you can't just advertise it to people and be like it's comedy like at the end of the day if that's what you want to do say it's like a life story of the comedian i liked like i a, saw that show like that lessons by the comedian it's tough it's that that story was wow was i was yeah, like it was looking back i was like in it my was field like netflix TV. sorry we didn't sign up to not to laugh like, right like, God, i saw it but i didn't yeah the second half of it was just like oh crap that's not um yeah i was having fun there for a while and now things got really serious right and i'm like tell people that tell yeah. people that you want to say like the life stories of this comedian we'll still watch because they're still famous like i don't think people are going to watch less I just think like people are going to go in with different expectations and maybe they won't hate it as much because they don't expect something they're not getting. Right. Right. What I really also liked about Kapil Sharma's um, gig was the fact that he actually jokes about his very poor English. Right. And then he sang a song in English for his father. Right. And he said, this is my, you know, this is my attempt at English. He's one of the very few people who actually change the way people look at this because India has a huge colonial hangover. Knowledge of English mm. is a big deal. And if you can, and, and most, most of Indians can speak English and, and a lot of them study. I mean, they, if you haven't been to an English school, then it's, you know, at some point in time in their life, they have to pick up the language because ultimately it's the only language that, you know, the North and the South of India can communicate in. They, there's no other common language. So uh, however much, uh, you know, you, 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 the guy's honest about his failings. And I really like that honesty in his entire gig and his entire set. He's honest even here. Like, I'm going to make an attempt. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, even when I speak English, I really have to think twice and, 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 and literally trying to figure out if this was the right thing to say. So um, I like the honesty. I like the, that you know, he's humble. He did not forget where he's from. And, and he keeps that a part of his narrative. There's this part where he talks about the story of his wife. And I was, that was the part that like shook me the most. It was so funny because his, they give his wife a mic and he goes, I don't even know why she'd like me. Like she came to school in this really nice, like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollar car. And I barely had like a scooter that was probably like her fuel for a day. Like it costs as much as her fuel for her car does. And then, he, and then he gives his wife a microphone and he's talking to her and her comebacks are funnier than what he is saying to her. And he goes, I don't know why Netflix gave me the special. They're just going to cancel me and call her in tomorrow. And I was like, can they, like, can they actually do that? Cause she, she, she's getting to me. She's funny. She's funny. I think they should give his wife a microphone from now on. Give this her is her like the anti-comedy show. This is the anti-comedy show, right? Not only <laughs> you you just said the funniest person was someone in the audience, right? Think about that. This is this is we are we have just reviewed two supposed quote unquote comedy shows that weren't funny, and the and one of them you you laughed harder at someone in the I, I that's just what is going on? I, I, go, I, I go away for two weeks and I come back and it's it's anarchy i know netflix is in shambles <laughs> it's all scott's fault <laughs> oh wow okay well, so well, how, do we, how do we how do we yeah go how do we go. put a button on that i think it was a little so here's where i'm mixed i would give it a five out of ten which is just like a 50 percent. so now i don't know to, whether to say like yeah go watch it or don't watch it because 
I mean, if you have the time, watch it. It's a, it's better than the Aziz Ansari one, in my opinion. Um, and I watched it completely with subtitles. So even if you're watching it with subtitles, the jokes still hit 100%. They're great. Um, but I also don't think like, again, if, if you want to be laughing, you're like, I'm going to invite 10 friends over on Friday and we're going to crack up to the special. No, you're not. You really are not. It's you huh. and your mom on the couch at Max. Wow. Okay. Totally. And people who watched Kapil Sharma before, they will appreciate him more because he's that flavor. Definitely. So our review is up, by the way, guys. It is on our website, Daisy's Done That. It'll be soon on our social media. And um, watch it and let us know what you feel about it. We've given it a six on 10 only because it's a non-comedy. And guess with that, we just want to remind everyone else that we are Red, White, and Brown by Live. Hi, I'm Geetha Malik. I'm the writer and director of a movie called India Sweets and Spices, which is releasing in theaters on November 19th. You're watching me on Desis.live. And just like that, we're back. This is Red, White, and Brown, hosted by Desis.live. Okay, and now we have a... Please tell me we don't have a third comedy show that's not funny. No. Okay, all right. Oh, that's right. We have... We have donkey head and i have to say i love the title so much that i just whenever we need to say donkey head just let me do it donkey head because that is a great title um who, we all did we all watch it i watched it yes okay I watched it too, yeah. who we wants to did. who wants to give the treetop the premise for the for those who have who have no idea what donkey head is about yeah why don't you go Tria, what, give us the basic, just the, you know, few sentences overview of what this movie's about. Okay. In two sentences, it's the story of this woman who is, I want to say Bengali Canadian. Is that? Definitely Canadian. Punjab, Punjabi Canadian. Excuse me. Pun Sikh. My apologies. She is Punjabi Canadian. And it follows the story of her living at home with this Punjabi Canadian family and her father is sick and she like literally and religiously like he's actually a, a sick man like health wise so she goes through these ups and downs trying to live her life and care for her family but at the same time she's in this little bit of a transition phase where she's not exactly married but she's with the person she's not entirely happy with it and she's like i want more but i i don't like where more is going and so she's kind of having her midlife crisis with her identity living with her extended family yeah that's so, an excellent overview absolutely so let me just uh, let me just um kind of uh, um add to that she's in her mid-30s that's a the first thing i mean the that is a midlife <laughs> absolutely she's oh having God, that makes me crisis. old but she is oh also a failed writer she promised her agent a book and never ended up writing it um she's having an affair with a married man and on top of that she doesn't have any career because she's of course trying her best she's she's this way but she's lost her lost lost all motivation to move ahead in her life and then she's taking care of her father where, you know, in contrast, she has siblings who are, you know, the perfect South Asian siblings to have. You know, her twin brother went to Oxford and he's a doctor and her, her sister's doing well married with kids and she has another brother. So uh, the movie really starts accelerating when the father goes into a coma and has to be rushed to the hospital because he's super sick. And the siblings come in 
from all over the world and they're so perfect. From London, New York, New York and Toronto. And Toronto. Yeah. They come to Regina, Saskatchewan, which is, you I know, that's, love that's out there. When people say that. What? You're like, welcome to Regina in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome yeah. to Regina. Like someone actually sat there and was like, what should we name this town? Regina. No, that's not how you say it. Why don't we add some flavor? Regina. I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to stay away from that one. All right. So um, who would like to give the review? Because I definitely have some thoughts on this movie, but I'm not going to say anything yet. I don't want to, because I have a suspicion that my thoughts on this may not be the same as the rest of the, the two of you. So let's, what did you think? Let's hear it. What, what, what did we like Mona? I mean, I thought in the very beginning when the father says you're a writer who doesn't write, that's one of the only things he said to her. That's one of the only things he said in the movie. And that's, and, and also what's the very first thing that happens in the movie. She's riding her bike on the snow and ice. And I, I thought, who does that? Who like I'm from Ohio and almost no one, like almost no one rides their bike on the, ice and snow but anyway she falls exactly she falls in an alley and she's like like lying there you know and they they hold on it so you unless you're just really like you can't miss it she's she's a mess she's splayed out on the in the alley fallen <laughs> broken whatever and then her dad five minutes later says you're a writer who doesn't write it sets the bar really low for her and she can pretty much only go up but she manages not to so what did we what did we think about this because yeah it was there's a there's a lot going on in this movie even though not a lot happens right it's true. i think i laughed very unintentionally because mm. for example i was watching this movie with my mother and you're talking about the part where she rides her bike and she falls and the funny thing that you just said right now, Scott, is that you're like, she sets the bar really low and you can't go lower. And the first thing my mom says is, did she die? The movie just started. <laughs> like, man, she I just went she might really have died low. Too. I really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right. She went really low right there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're now right. we're going to have to do back, back uh, flashbacks because she's dead. You know, that's <laughs> that's one of the things I thought of at the very beginning. So, but what, what did... Uh, I want Walk to hear Morales' thoughts first, because okay. I think I, I think we all three of us saw this movie very differently, and I can tell uh, really just the tone. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's hear it, Moral. All right, so um, I think I think there is an entire um, transgenerational trauma within the Sikh immigrant community, especially you know in Canada, um, because uh, because there is a hu huge community of Sikh immigrants in Canada, so. Um, I think that entire, uh, the thoughts and the processes um, uh, of, um, and, and also the inhibitions that come with that community are very well laid out in the background here. It, 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 kind, of, it, it kind of delayers itself bit by bit. And then you start understanding how, how much PTSD Mona has, um, her, her traumas, Trauma is is from the fact that she's really um, she wasn't treated well as a child. Remember, she told she was her, abused. Let's just let's abused. just yeah. Um, she 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 tells her twin brother Barham that you and I both used to play ice hockey, but you got to go to play. So, so this this trauma that this girl has is is comes out in her rebellion, comes out in her in, in and it's so well portrayed in the movie. The things she does. 
the, the way she talks, the way she goes against the norm, the way she tries not to do the normal thing, the way she just wants to stand out or go to a bar and start singing Oh Canada. <laughs> you know, so so the things that she does are are a part of her, have become a part of her character because she doesn't want to be uh be be put in a box anymore like she was when she was growing up by her father. So this is all that trauma coming out, and it's so well directed in that character. Her character arc is the strongest, but also how her siblings judge her. Uh, she's the one who stayed back. <laughs> Especially when Parham always says, we're not judging. Like, yeah, you are. You're judging. <laughs> you judge pretty much everything she does they, and says. They they judge her for her behavior. They judge her for, for not being as successful. They judge her for just being at home. The judge being a drama movie. queen, lying. Yeah, lying, drama. And all of the things that she does, does is really, uh, if you look at it from a cognitive point of view, these are just reactions of somebody who's deeply hurt, who's painting a lot, and is just manifesting it by telling people, oh, you know, I need more attention. Uh -huh. So so I thought in that thing, the, the story of Mona is very, very well uh, put together and, and, you know, it peels off really slowly um, in, in, in a way that, you know, um, you, you can you can literally feel her trauma. Mm. Okay. All right. Shreya, what do you think? Actually, Scott, hold on. I think you are on the other end of the spectrum. So I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> okay. First of all, I would, uh, first of all, I would like to say that I think what was the, the thing that immediately jumped out to me was that this was clearly a North American Daisy movie, not a Bollywood movie. And I didn't know what we were getting into. So within 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, this is a North American movie. And I wasn't sure that we were in Canada or the United States because in a lot of ways they look very similar, especially when it's a cold snowy scene. I mean, it could have been Ohio. Um, so that was, that was one thing. It was, it was, there was, there was definitely a, not just, I don't want to say style, there's definitely like fingerprints that make something look North American or Indian. And we were clearly in the North American. Um, I loved this movie until the last 20 minutes. I, I mean, I just absolutely loved it. I thought the characters were fascinating. I thought the, um, I, I thought Mona was very interesting. I thought sh they did an, an excellent job of portraying her as a mess but not like, not this annoying, like, oh God, okay, enough. Like she was just enough of a mess for you as the viewer to go, wow, this woman's a mess. But it wasn't like this repulsive freak show, right? It was, it was, there was some restraint, which is a weird thing to say, but there was some restraint to it. I could not, I, I was so disappointed in the end. The ending was just, it didn't make any sense to me. I'm really not sure what the resolution was. I'm really not sure what happened to her or what she did to be better, other than to say something kind of nice about her dad uh, at the at the service. I, uh, like what, how did she change other than that? I, I, I don't, that's the only thing that as a story made very little sense to me. As, as a human being, I completely understand Mona, the person. If I, if I were friends with Mona or she were my neighbor, I would completely understand that whole trajectory. But as a movie where you need to have some sort of resolution, where something needs to happen, so the character needs to do something to have some sort of resolution and change, I didn't see it. 
it was so it was entirely dissatisfying at the end i was it was set up perfectly and then just like uh, like like i can't i'm trying to think of the thing that she did she lied to the to her her lover the lawyer she she threw a fit she curled up in a ball and didn't go help pick up out the coffin or the the urn she she said something kind of nice she she left the house but i mean like those aren't significant resolution worthy changes like what does anyone i'm a, now i'm actually asking like i'm not rhetorically what happened like did she am i did i miss something i think um, it's uh, i think it was like commentary on the fact that there's so much trauma that it's not like overnight she's gonna wake up and be like i forgive everybody and everything and tomorrow i'm gonna go take my law exam uh, my lsats and you know okay just, that's that's fair that's and, fair However, Crazy, I would say I that's my right, point about real I life. Think, I, think, that was my... I, think, I think what really uh, the turning point in her thinking differently was a chat she had with her brother. Who, you remember that scene? On the bed? Brother, yeah, on the bed. The brother comes online and he uh, li uh, lies next to her and talks to her. And then oh. maybe maybe she felt there, you know, so there are scenes towards the end where where she realizes that it's not all that perfect with her siblings as well. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a trigger. That's one trigger. Okay. The second trigger being that the brother is honest. He actually, they actually sell the house and they split the money. But yeah. the father literally trusted only that son, who actually just before the father died told him that he was, you know, he, he was gay. But 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 at the same time, so his perfect son was gay. In 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 the father's eyes, that's a sin. But at the same time, and then he the dies. Was, he turns around. And then he dies. <laughs> like, <laughs> There was more, wait a minute though, wait a minute. There was more of a resolution for him than for Mona, right? That was a big moment true, true. in his but, life as the but character. But I think but, from, from a Mona character perspective, the realization that not only her life is messed up, her siblings' lives are also messed up. And it's not as perfect as it seems is a big okay. trigger for her to kind of calm down. Yeah, okay, then that's, that's all good and valid and interesting and uh, like i said if there had been a cleaner more look mm -hmm. one little conversation in a bed you know between a, a two siblings that's i don't think that's enough really i just i, I don't it. think you know that's I that's way too subtle so i think that was also like what i thought about the show but before we got into like what i actually thought about donkey head i just want to remind everybody that you are listening to red white and brown by daisies.live and with that, we get into what I thought about the movie. I think that I had a combination of both Morales and Scott's view, which is why I picked up on those tones early on in the conversation, because I, I completely get it. I think with the oversaturation of this like Indian, Canadian, Indian American, this movie genre, you always see the stories of these kids who are expected to be perfect by their immigrant parents and then like you realize how much trauma they have and the movies are always addressing that intergenerational trauma and like it's it's trying to say like even the person you think who lives next door who's a doctor has some kind of problems like even even if you think that person's perfect like nobody there's no such thing as a perfect person everybody's just really good at hiding what they think is bad because society keeps telling you or your parents keep telling you it's bad and it's bad and it's bad and then it never gets addressed but i think the point of mona's character was to say like sometimes it can get so bad to the point 
that like not addressing it just makes it worse for the person. And it goes to show that just how differently trauma affects different people. Right. Cause like, for example, the brother chose to deal with his trauma differently. He's just like, I'm just going to hide everything. I mean, like now, if you guys won't accept me, I'm just going to hide all of it. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything and you're not going to know anything. And like that, we're just going to keep distance from this family. My dad's going to think I'm perfect. And once he dies, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And that dad is dying, not never truly knowing, like, you know, all the parts of his son, like he just hears I'm gay. And the next day he's like, I'm gone. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, we never got to talk through it. We never got to say like, like what happened when change, why'd you keep it from me for so long? Do you have someone in your life? Like you, you don't even know your own kids and then passes away he's still thinking that his son is in the wrong you know like no even no resolution in that case either so I thought the story of Mona what irritated me a bit about it is that they go through this concept of she is not doing well in life because she has so much trauma and you're like you're right she faced so much more trauma therefore she is dealing with the trauma later and she's coming out in this rebellious phase but have you guys ever heard of that saying they're like you don't care about politics because you don't care to change a world that's so perfect for you. And I think that she's on the other end of the spectrum, right? She's like, I want to change everything. Like I literally hate the entire norm because what has a norm ever done for me? It's like ruined my life growing up. So I'm going to change everything about it. You say it's good. I say it's bad. Anything that anyone else likes, I hate. And so she goes into that rebellious mentality in the same way that people think about politics. They're like, why would you change something that suits you? Like, yeah, exactly. She wants to change everything because nothing suited her. And I think the problem of her being that led to her making these choices in life where she's like, you know what? Like people already hate this about me. Therefore, I'm going to become a writer. And then she's like, nobody believes in me. I'm going to fail as a writer. And I'm like, I think she lets other people's choices influence her so 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 much for someone who grows up being like I'm going to be as rebellious as possible she lets other people dictate her choices and her life 1000% very subconsciously like very subconsciously she just goes against the norms but she takes into account what everyone thinks of her and she just never says it she like likes to believe that she's like yeah like I'm not going to do anything just because my family wouldn't approve it but you know like at the end of the day you know she she realizes that she feels bad about herself because she knows what people are thinking about her all right and out of 10 what do you two rate it first hour eight last half hour four so <laughs> I would Mira? give it an eight or a nine. Wow. Uh, yeah. Right. We'll leave it with. Hi, my name is Agam Darshi, and I am the writer, director, and producer of Talking Heads. You can watch the movie on Netflix right now, and you can also catch this wonderful interview on Daisy's Live. this is red white and brown by daisies.live all right well that's uh that's it for today well this is red white and brown by daisies.live thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next week i'm scott i'm Iral. and i'm shriya take care bye 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 everyone when the night is so